Justin, I have a question for you. So Tell we're, me the question plant. We're recording this episode before the PlayStation 5 announcement. That means mm-hmm. it's going to show up right after it. I think this mm-hmm. is an opportunity for us to, you know, kind of like write our prediction in the letter, close it, and mm. then deliver it to ourselves afterwards. And then everybody will see, wow, these, these people know what they're talking about. They're Dino they Crisis at launch. Dino Crisis at launch. I just yeah. said Dino Crisis at launch. I'm sorry. Stupid. God, stupid. <laughs> no, don't I don't know why I said it. I panicked. So I'm I panicked. Curious. Dino Crisis at launch. Is is that your biggest prediction, or do you have something that like uh, everybody? You want bigger look back. than Dino Crisis at launch? I mean, I Are you kidding obvious. me? I think it's obvious. Um, I have a prediction, and that is that during the uh, the big announcement presser that is going to happen tomorrow, Mark Cerny uh, mm. is going to like do a move, and his leather pants are going to split <laughs> like Lenny Kravitz that one time, and his balls are going to fall out. <laughs> And that has taken uh, Chris out of the conversation entirely. Uh, and I realize that that is a maybe a controversial I think, I think, pick. Now, I think Mark will come out and say, folks, we too are worried about the effects of COVID-19. In fact, um, I guess you could say I'm Mark concerning about it. <laughs> Oh, boy. We have put Chris into the ground. My name is Justin McElroy, and I know the best game of the planets. My name is Griffin McElroy, and I know the best game. My name is Chris Plant, and I know the best game of the year 2007. My name is Ross Farshik, and I know the best game of the Wii. The Wii. Welcome, Wii. Welcome back to the Besties, where we talk about the latest and greatest in home interactive entertainment. Uh, Also, hi, everybody. You might have noticed we missed an episode last week. Uh, It did not feel appropriate for us to do an episode of the Besties and talk about silly video games last week. Uh, We're going to say the obvious, that obviously Black Lives Matter, and we support that cause. Um, Something we've always done and why we always get together is we want to create an inclusive space. That's what we take pride in, right? That everybody feels like they can listen to the show and participate in this conversation. So last week, uh, if you follow us on Twitter, you saw that we recommended you listen to the show Spawn on Me. It's on Spotify and a lot of other podcast networks. We recommend you continue to listen to that show because, frankly, that show just rules. Um, it kicks ass. It's a, that's a premium follow right there. <laughs> it's excellent. Um, and this week, we're going to talk about video games and try to bring you uh, a splash of joy, and hopefully we'll be continuing uh, activism in in the weeks to come. Uh, so thank you for joining us. Now we're going to talk about Super Mario Galaxy. It still feels like a little, like, I don't still know. It feels a little early, a little early. we're pushing it. I don't know, like, my, uh, my, like, gaming has not felt, like, appropriate at all. I've been playing a lot of, like, FF14, like a lot of sort of, like, big escapist hmm. sort of you know, progression-based games lately that, like, I have just not been able to, like, sink, feel, like, good sinking my teeth into, like, because it feels like escapism feels like a a privilege and a luxury right now. And honestly, like, Super Mario Galaxy, as silly and, and banal as this sounds, like, 
I've been more into playing this game than I thought because it has been nice to just kind of like dip into something kind of lightweight and play a couple levels of something and like not have to like really fucking focus and completely tune myself out to the extremely important events that are going on right now. I have started to see some some people who are out there like protesting and doing great work uh, starting to talk about burnout. Uh, and I feel like maybe uh, we could do our small part to provide a little bit of respite if you need to, to take a breather before you get back out there. Uh, perhaps letting us uh, whisk you away to to the be- Halcyon days of 2007 will provide that that oasis. It's funny when you mentioned burnout because I thought you were talking about burnout. Do you guys just want to do burnout three? Because I would fucking. <laughs> if you just want to do burnout three, no, 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 no. You will not. You will not make the time I tried to play Super Mario Galaxy for the second time a waste. You will not make me that time have been a waste. We were. We are going to talk about the game. Super Mario Galaxy. I'm so glad that this is the game that we have capped out this 2007 discussion with because I feel like there has been this mounting thing for all of these games where we have talked about recognizing the foundational importance of the games that we are playing, but also recognizing that they have had their lunch so completely eaten by, most of the time, have had their lunch so completely eaten by the games that followed, Mm. that evolved on the formulas and evolved on those things. Coming into this, I was so stoked to play Super Mario Galaxy uh, because it, and particularly 2, I remember 2 being a fucking masterpiece and really, really liking 1, but playing returning to this game has made me realize that Super Mario Odyssey is one of the best fucking video games ever. Like, it has, I feel like it <laughs> so completely, uh, uh, like, innovates on and, like, does so much stuff better uh, than any of the 3D Mario games that sort of followed it. And with that, I see Chris Plant sort of chomping at the bit. He's, to come he's eating his glasses. He's taking his glasses <laughs> off. He's eating them. I'm so mad at, at hoops. I'm honestly, like, pissed. Because you're supposed to be on my team of yeah. uh, Hurt yeah. Puppy video game supporters. And mm. Mario Galaxy is the only Hurt Puppy game in... Well, let's not talk about Mario Sunshine. But yeah, I was about to say, really, what the fuck? Of, yeah, right. of the core Mario games, it is it is that. It is no. so shaggy and messy. And again, going off a theme of what we talked about, of people like reaching way outside their uh, limits, it is that video game. It is well established. My love for shaggy games only extends to Eastern Europe. <laughs> I love that flavor. I love what they're bringing. I'm into it. This is a, like, I definitely can celebrate the ambition of making, a, okay, if you haven't played Super Mario Galaxy, here, the, the main hook is this. Rather than walking in a 2D plane, obviously, or a th- flat 3D plane, you're in a 3D plane that is typically spherically constructed. And that means that you could obviously, like, if you keep walking forward, you would theoretically end up back where you started. And when that works, it's pretty neat. Mm -hmm. It's a neat idea. It's pretty neat. There are several (laughs) enemies and, and boss fights where, like, they make really good use of that. You know, it's like chasing someone in circles around you, which if you think about it, you can't really do. But like the idea that like, oh, I see this this point. I'm going to drag you back around to this thing that I can use to to hurt you or whatever. Or just this sense of like, it's fun. The idea of like jumping from like 
off the edge of something and ending up back around on the other side yeah. of it. That's cool. It it's feels cool so idea. good to long jump into orbit. Every like every time I landed on a new little planetoid, I was like, I can I long jump into orbit on this one? Because that is still one of the best feeling things. But for me, we're sort of like, I feel like this is one of the those cases where like the ambition outstripped the execution that for one, the camera is like st- still in another Mario game. It didn't get the notice about how we're doing this thing. <laughs> well, there's there is no camera. That's actually it's actually worse than Mario sixty four because in this game they have to control where you're looking because certain puzzles are determined by like what you can see. Right, so you right. don't have control of the camera, which is really jarring to it's one abysmal play any three D game, let alone a three D game where you're like on a planet is tough. And, that, and the other thing about that, is, the other place where it's like, it, it just sometimes feel, it, it feels bad to me as often as it feels good. There's a lot of instances where like, oh, it's the fun of like jumping off the edge of the planet and ending up on the other side of the planet, except sometimes you jump off an edge and you fall in the center of the planet yeah. and you die. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and that's like not, it's not fun. Yeah. That's what I didn't really remember when I was thinking about the playing this game. How many like insta death pits there are. And I realized like, that's an element in classic Mario games that is like very predictable and like happened a lot. But in three Mario games, it's way less frequent. But right. here it's like all over the place. Like, oh, black hole, you're dead. I feel like they got better about that in in Galaxy 2. But mm-hmm. it, like I said, like the long jumping into orbit feels so good. And on the strict inverse of that, nothing makes me feel like a bigger asshole in the world than like time to long jump into orbit and then it's like no actually you just jumped like a big idiot into, <laughs> into space into and a died. singularity where his body was torn apart at the molecular level so you <laughs> fucked up last if i could just uh, my i have a third one this is my last one and it's very this one is very contrary to the spirit of mario i feel like there are these chunks of star dookie that are all over little crystalline chunks of star poop star nuggets star bits maybe they're star bits uh that you would theoretically you you use the wiimote to point at those or mario can run over them or use the wiimote to point at them to pick them up Mm. um which feels like a very ham-fisted way of like just using all the the meat on the wee the wee animal uh i think that it, um, <laughs> I've, i'm giving You're just killing chris me. looks like he's being electrocuted um the uh but then there are like these animals that are like feed me that good star dookie i need 400 pieces <laughs> and they've like gated it in a way where like you need to go get some more star money for me to eat for me to turn into the fun thing that you want to go do um it just it that just doesn't feel good. And those are my big three that that I don't enjoy about Star- Super Mario Galaxy. Jump okay, in there, I, I'm going to try to convince yeah, you why the please. game is actually magical. So it started yeah. out as a demo for uh, it was called Mario 128, which maybe you've seen footage of, and it was going to be yeah, on GameCube. Right. And basically, they made it, and then everybody at Nintendo was like, "Absolutely not! This is impossible!" And then uh, four years later. Miyamoto was like, oh, we need something for the Wii. We don't even know what the Wii is yet. Like, they didn't even figure out the motion controls. And they're like, we just need, like, a really striking Mario. Let's try this again. And basically, only because he supported it, it got made. Because everybody else in leadership just keeps being like, this doesn't make sense. Like, this isn't fun. It's not how Mario works. And the big reason it's not like Mario works is because it's not a game about jumping. Like, you can jump for fun, 
But the main attack is that spin attack because yeah, trying sure, to right. jump on characters is incredibly Impossible. challenging. Holy right? shit, yeah. And that's the thing they figure out with two. So in, in, you mentioned like two is much smoother. Correct, because two realizes there are two separate games happening at once. There's the 3D globe spinning world where the focus of the game is like traversal and spinning. And then when it wants to do jumping platforms, it puts you in locked 2D environments. And it just ships. Like, it's you either get one or the other. And what I like about this game, but also what makes it kind of annoying, is it's just like, whatever, we're just going to try everything. It's okay if it annoys you at times, because it's just going to be this, like, absolute zany mash of ideas. Mm. Two, is, two is unquestionably a better game, and I'll talk about it later. But at the same time, because it's so polished, you don't have that energy of just, like, moment to moment, this game is just completely subverting itself. That's one thing. The other thing, I want to talk about the the star bits, right? I think that is weird to us now because we're not playing like a Wii with our family and it's not like a novelty, right. just have a Wii around. When that was around, the whole idea of the Wii, especially with Iwata, was, okay, there's always going to be somebody else in the room because just looking at a Wii is like inherently magical. So we need to give them things to do that will then get them to eventually play a Wii. And the whole, like, path to playing, making new people video game players was, okay, first, the game has to be pretty, so they'll watch it. Second, we have to give them, like, fringe accessibility, which in this game was the second player could aim the wand to collect those bits. Mm -hmm. That's all they had to do. Or could shoot 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 it. it. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, it's like, okay, now you're going to start your own save file, which I love. Like, I I love that as an idea. You're right. As, like, a one-player thing, it's whatever fortunately the the levels that you unlock are totally optional so you don't have right. to collect the star bits <laughs> and not great also <laughs> with a, those are the those are the uh, typically the motion control levels which um are not i would say the highlight of super mario galaxy or truly any video game that ever came out on the Wii. yeah also, and here's here's the biggest thing, and I'm gonna spoil the ending. I hope people don't mind me spoiling. <gasps> the, the ending, ending of, of this story. game is fucking wild. So the ending is you showdown with Bowser naturally. The whole time you've been collecting these Luma stars, right? And during your showdown with Bowser, a black hole forms. At which point, all of the stars sacrifice their lives by funneling into the black hole, and then poof, like. 2001 style splash to white and then we wake up and now we're back at the beginning of the game you know mario's back on on planet mario with princess peach except all of the people we met along the way they're friends now and they're on our planet and then you get this message that's like oh to new beginnings which suggests mario dies everybody Mm. dies and this is an entirely new dimension formed by the explosion of a back hole. Straight up, Mario canonically dies at the end of Mario Galaxy. Come on, they what? could have all time traveled. Probably no, not. No, that's not. Us. No, no, this isn't a time travel. This is. They say this is. It, stars must die to create new things. They make it pretty explicit. Mario straight up dies. Did Mario have a when the stars were like, "We're gonna sacrifice ourselves so you can be Bowser"? Did the did Mario have a minute where he's like, "I've actually beaten him like thirty times"? Like, <laughs> yeah, don't need to do this. Please. That's Check this out. I'm gonna grab that dude's big tail and I'm gonna throw yeah. him into a bomb. It's do so fucking easy. Look, look behind that dumbass. Do you see that big axe? He always puts it behind it. I don't fucking get it's it. It's a dipshit. He just leaves it there. Why? Hey, one of you motherfuckers, your stars, just go get the axe. Go get the axe. Don't throw yourself. Yeah. Oh, now you're dead. Uh, we already. already crossed the event horizon, Mario. I wish you said something <laughs> earlier, pal. Uh, 
it is literally the ending of Outer Wilds. It is. It is like <laughs> it is yes, so yes, wild. yes. We have all life in the universe has been extinguished, but you know, fourteen billion years from now, Mario, it's going to be fucking great, babe. <laughs> I I understand that I'm broken, and for me, like, get my enjoyment of a game is inexorably tied to and a sense of progress. Um, in some games, you know, like RPG type mechanics, that that's a big part of it. That can be a, a huge draw for me. Obviously, you're not getting that pretty much in any Mario game. But I, I think another thing is the progress of like beating something and getting something out of it. But for Odyssey, I think the joy of that was just in like it, the sense of discovery. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I found the star. I found the thing I was supposed and to And also doing. the the environments changed so dramatically that even just getting to a new level was like, oh, wow, this is like a completely different thing that you've just unlocked. Yeah, and that was the pull for me, right? Like the pull for me for, you know, earlier Mario games, it was very much about the challenge of like, can you beat it? Yeah. And if you beat it, that's like the sense of, of accomplishment that you get. Um, and for Odyssey, the sense of accomplishment or the sense of progress that I, that I really crave is like, you know, finding the stars, finding the hidden stars, being smart about ways to like get the different stars, etc. And I'm kind of embarrassed to admit this, but like for me, without that perfect sense of like fun playing Galaxy, like it wasn't just constantly that pleasure mm. of like perfectly tuned mechanics. I think that's where it really fell apart. Like I didn't know why I was continuing to play it. And I think that's a fault partially with myself. I shouldn't need someone, you know, flicking tic tacs into my mouth to keep me playing the game but like i didn't feel that compulsion to play just one more level i think it is a pacing issue i think i think mario galaxy does not necessarily that element that excitement that you have of going to a new environment does not exist when you're just going to one of these different galaxies because while there are different mechanics they are not by and large that dramatically different from one another they are similar (laughs) enough I would say. Some of them are cool though. Like I really dug the the little bee costume. Yeah. Oh yeah. The bee, um, bee costume. I don't know why you had to do the annoying thing where if you get, I mean, if he gets wet, you're not a bee anymore. Which is just pure. That's pure Mario. Like, oh, you know, if you get wet, bee you're side. not a bee no more. Bees don't like that. Bees don't like to get wet. <laughs> which probably they don't. Yeah. I, <laughs> Who likes to be wet? I I agree. I think Super Mario Odyssey is is probably like the perfect Mario game. I can't. I can't argue with it, but what I like about no, I know it's and it's unfair of us to be like, sure. well, is it as good oh, as yeah, Super this, Mario Galaxy yeah. Odyssey but from twenty? What I like about Galaxy One is the best thing I can describe it is like it feels like you're wrestling it, like literally just controlling it yeah. feels like work, mm. and I don't find it frustrating. It just feels like I'm like really trying to master the complexity of moving this space, and it's like a weird challenge in the same way that when you first played the original Mario, right? Like just learning how to control something in this weird, unusual space was thrilling. Where, and I hadn't really gotten that from any Mario game since, where Mario Odyssey and even Mario Galaxy 2 is like, well, you played Mario 64, you're going to be okay. Like, we're going to make sure you feel very comfortable and that the tools that you've learned along the way as a Mario fan are going to be applicable. And I, I, again, I love Odyssey so much, but I never, they just always end up feeling so safe for me mario games Mm, where it's mm. like okay and now i'm gonna do more mario things um which is like not really fair like this is clearly me favoring novelty of something like galaxy where it's just so cool that we at least have one mario game that they were like 
We're not going to do the Mario thing or the Nintendo thing. We're not going to polish this into oblivion. There are going to be uh, galaxies where the background of the galaxy is just a JPEG repeating <laughs> of like a, a child's bedroom. Um, and that's going to be okay. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm just glad. I'm glad that we got that. And kind of amazed that this game won like every game of the year in 2007. So of all of, of, all of the games, it won game of the year at IGN, GameSpot, Nintendo Power, Kotaku, and Yahoo. Is that a recency bias? Thing? Like, did it come out close to the end of the year? I feel like it did, right? Didn't it come out in, like... Uh, a lot of these, though, were fall... I mean, I think that what... Y- y- this is my... Abs- this is me talking out of, my, out of my ass. But as we come to the end of this 2007 miniseries, I think that this was not... I don't necessarily agree that it is, like, the best year for video games, as our readers have said. But... I do think what's cool about 2007 is it is a very much a fulcrum mm-hmm. year of like things changing and setting the stage honestly for where we're going to end up and I think that you do see a lot of like novelty bias with so many of the games that we've talked about are about like they're doing something very new that in 2007 especially felt like hugely ambitious mm-hmm. and I think that like Galaxy is a really good example of that like I bet in the moment it just felt wild that they were pulling it off, like that that it was happening at all, you know, yeah. that it was functioning at all. But I think that that was, 2007 was a period where I think everybody was very on board with the idea of like something new and like rewarding that and like feeling that, that sense of like needing something novel. Yeah, a, th- a thing that Jeremy Parrish pointed out when he reviewed the game at 1UP that I think speaks to why it probably won Game of the Year so many places is it was an amazing family game in a year of M-rated hits. Right. Like, every, all the other games, despite all being very creative in their own way, blood together in this, like, miasma of adult, mature shooter games. And then you have this thing come along that feels so unlike the rest of what is happening in games. I could see how, in that moment of, you know, outlets deciding what was the best game, that maybe it's like splitting the vote. All the shooters split the vote. Yeah. And then Galaxy is like, well, we all agreed mm. that Galaxy was good. Yeah. Here's um, this oasis of like calm after we've spent an entire year playing games like uh, Modern Warfare. It's so funny because like this also speaks to the Nintendo of 2007, like the post GameCube Nintendo that was sort of meandering. And the Wii was obviously a hit uh, as a like video game platform, but as like a game developer, like everybody was frustrated with Nintendo, even though we had, even though the Wii was in every single home in the country. Everybody was saying, like, but where's fucking Modern Warfare on the Wii? I think mm. we did eventually get a Modern Warfare mm, yeah. port. Where's Bioshock on the Wii? Where's, like, we, where's all the, the, the big third-party, you know, hits that are coming out right now? You are pigeonholing yourself into being just the family-friendly, you know, here's a handful of high-quality games. But, like, now arguably that's still kind of what nintendo is and we fucking love them for it so like i feel like this was the year where maybe like we started to reckon with that a little bit of just like (laughs) yeah this is not super mario galaxy is different from the rest of the games that came out this year and the wii is and the wii u especially are going to falter sort of third party wise but like damn it nintendo i'm glad somebody's out here doing it also now they're like 13 (laughs) years later oh you want bioshock we've got it you can play it on the nintendo switch we we got it we heard you that's it. So what was the what was the best game of 2007? Oh, wow. Yeah. I would say Yikes. this is kind of a weird way to look at it, but in terms of like the game that I think was closest to like done, like 
I would say it's either Portal or Modern Warfare. I think both of those are like, they feel, even looking back at them, they still feel kind of modern and kind of, they work. I mean, obviously the story elements of Call of Duty are a little, but the but by and large, like the actual game itself, as well as Portal, both of those have aged like very, very well um, and have it continued to inform game design since then. Whereas a lot mm-hmm. of these games that we've talked about haven't. I feel like Portal is the game. Uh, okay, if we're just basing it on like this replay that we've just finished doing, yeah. Portal is the one that I had the most fun playing. Yeah, I don't I think, think it is. I, I I would disagree that it is the most important. Sort of like foundationally speaking, I think uh, Modern Warfare is probably the easiest one to make that case for. But man, it's it just as like a little. Maybe it stands the test of time a little bit better because it is so standalone. Like it is so its own thing and you know the only innovations that have happened on top of portal are portal 2 so there's Mm -hmm. not even that much to like look at and be like oh man this could have been so much better yeah portal is just kind of uh and this is like i think you know everybody who played it had the foresight in 2007 to say like this is a perfect little game like this is a this is that i remember that being like why we uh i think we gave it game of the year joystick was just like yeah it's just fucking three hours in and out it's it is perfect every part of it is so well executed uh, I think that I think that's probably where my vote goes. Surprisingly, Justin, I think I probably liked. Uh, I think it was probably Bioshock, like, and mainly just remembering how that how that made me feel initially, and seeing how much of the groundwork for for the future of games that like I really love, and that's kind of outside the mechanical aspects of Bioshock, or at least on the, the combat mechanic side. But there's so much about storytelling in games that I feel like is is building on what Bioshock did mm-hmm. and um then that was really cool to go back to and and see uh, I think it still feels really like especially if you were not familiar with that story I think it still holds up remarkably well yeah I think uh for me influential is Call of Duty just because I mean it c- caused tons of publishers to dump tons of cash into like wannabe shooters um, right and, and there was just so much of it if I if I'm thinking critically um what do i think is like the most interesting game yeah for me it's portal i i think so many of these games or it would be uh, portal or galaxy the the rest halo cod bioshock uncharted god of war they're games that and we've talked about this a lot throughout this they're games that are wanting to be adult but are mostly turning out to be rated m for mature and i they're like starting to get at that idea of you know like what is a serious game what is a mature game what is a game that wants to say something but they're still batting up against the fact that your only way of communicating with the world is by for most of them shooting somebody in the face or in kratos's case like ripping out their eyes and forcing it down their throat (laughs) um and and i and i think like that honestly that like gets it how much things have changed in the last 13 years for the better um one, we're seeing AAA games try not to have that be the only thing you do in these games. Even some of those games are sequels tried. But also just indie games have gotten so much better. I guess that's like the kind of perfect merger of what we saw with the small game like Portal and with you know the ambitions of these AAA games was telling stories that matter, that are adult, that are fascinating and engaging and don't rely on the mechanisms of like the last 30 years of video game history. So yeah, that, like when you say like 2007 was a fulcrum, I think that's spot on. I, I think years after that have been much better because we've gotten to actually see the fruit of that change. Um, right. But yeah. it was certainly an important year. 
Are we ready to move on? I think so. Let's to the rest do of our it. program. Um, let's take a quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of the Best of These is sponsored by Aura Frames. All right, so you know there are a number of people in your life that are not necessarily the most technologically savvy. I'm sure immediately names jump to your mind. Those are the sorts of people that you would say, oh, maybe they would want a digital picture room in their house, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to like set it up and get it working and add new pictures and stuff like that. That is where Aura Frames comes in. It's a digital picture frame that allows you to basically upload any photos that you have directly to the frame. You don't need them to do any work. In fact, you could even set it all up before they even open the box. You have the account set up. You just have to connect it to their Wi-Fi. And once that's done, everything happens over the internet. So you can add new photos, you can do whatever you want, and it all works completely smoothly. I set it up for my grandmother, who's 95 years old. I set it up for my mom, who's 70 years old. And they both love their Aura frames, and they love seeing the pictures and new photos of the family all being added without them having to do anything. So I'd highly recommend it. I'm really, really happy with it. And right now, you can save on the perfect gift that keeps on giving by visiting AuraFrames.com. For a limited time, listeners can get $20 off their best-selling frame with code BESTIES. That's A-U-R-A frames.com, promo code BESTIES. Terms and conditions apply. You go get a phone. You just want a phone to talk to your friends and family. You're not asking so much. Then you get these contracts and you get ripped off because they got all this fine print little details and all of a sudden they're sucking money out of your pocket like some sort of digital leech. You know, the contract may sound good uh, up front, but there's always some sort of catch. You know who's not going to do that to you? Not going to pull that nonsense? Mint Mobile. Their wireless plans. There is no catch. $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those savings directly on to you. You want to pay hundreds of dollars for, like, literal hundreds of dollars for your wireless plan? Or do you want to have a nice, easy solution save some, put the bucks back in your pocket, pay 15 bucks a month? Say bye to your overpriced wireless plan's jaw-dropping monthly bills. The unexpected overages sound familiar? To get this new customer offer and get your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash besties. That's mintmobile.com slash besties. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash besties. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Y'all, you already know how much I love our sponsor of the week, Rocket Money. They make it so easy to get your personal finances on track, especially stop worrying about all these subscriptions that you have that you don't necessarily need. Keep the ones you want, get rid of the rest. Here's how it works. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. That might sound too good to be true. I have tried it myself on multiple different monthly payments I have 
and it's worked, which is incredible and so much easier than getting on the phone with all these companies and trying to wrangle this yourself. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. So cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash besties. That's rocketmoney.com slash besties. Rocketmoney.com slash besties. Uh, hey, everybody. Uh, my uncle here, Jake Plant, uh, he works in Nintendo. His mm. name is Jake Nintendo Plant is what he was called. The company is named after him. But mm. he was hoping that you could help him figure out the next great uh, Mario spinoff. Mm. Uh, so I'll, I'll, I'll just let him get the phone. One second, he's going to come through the door. Hi, mm. I- I'm Jake Plant. Hey, Jake. Hey, Jake. Um, hey, Jake. Just wondering if you could have a talk with Chris about his character work <laughs> that he's been doing. <laughs> it feels like he's been stepping on Russ's toes maybe like a lot even since we relaunched the Besties. And I'm just curious if he feels any level of guilt about that. So uh, I actually don't listen to this show. Oh, okay. Fair. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I work at Nintendo, uh, and did I mention I'm Chris's uncle? Um, and we are trying to figure out the next big game for Mario. He's golfed. He has yeah. carded. Um, he has painted. Quite frankly, I've spoken with uh, Miyamoto, and we worry that we've run out of things for him to do. Mm-hmm. So we were hoping that you, the besties, who I've never listened to, uh, would right. have great <laughs> expertise on something that we could do for Mario next. Yeah. I, no, it's interesting because you're right. He has been pretty versatile, but it does seem like Mario has ignored his actual literal job that he's had for mm-hmm. literally ever. Oh, yeah. Because he's never done any fucking plumbing ever. Like mm, yeah, never. And and you're not talking about like fucking pipe dream style puzzle game. Like no, I'm talking about running the logistics of a small business, which is not an easy thing to do. Oh, interesting. I was even thinking oh. about the act of plumbing, like diagnosing like a leaky turlet. I mean, that's part oh. of it. That's part of it. But also building a client list and knowing how much to upcharge. Like how much does a washer cost? Yeah, talking to his like nephew about Yelp, like <laughs> not understanding necessarily how that works. <laughs> When you say his nephew, you mean Toad, because canonically, as a Nintendo representative, I can let you know he does not have a nephew. No, he does. Oh. Luigi has a Luigi has a son. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and what's his name? Luigi's son. Uh-huh. Uh huh. It, it, it's Luigi. It's one of the Koopa kids. And <laughs> what? Yeah. So that's he why they adopted one of the Cooper kids after he killed King. <laughs> does right, Bowser yeah. know? It's Ludwig. Actually, he's um, oh. He's Ludwig's dad. So, yeah. uh, and and who are you to say what a family is, fucking Jake? <laughs> yeah, you, you're you're such an absentee uncle that you can't even be bothered to listen to your nephew's podcast. Yeah. Uh, what about mining? Mining. Mario gets down deep into the dirt. We've seen him. We know how he can do it with tubes, but this time they've taken the tubes away from him. <laughs> so there's no pipes for this boy this time. Now he has to dig his own pipes through the ground. And it's so good because we're getting in on some uh, rising trends like mining and video games. And so he'll hot, be able to so like, put together. It's so hot. He'll be able to put together different rocks 
to make uh, coins or something. I don't know. He makes the coins out of gold. He makes his own coins, counterfeit coins, Mario bucks, he calls them. <laughs> he tries to spend them places and no one accepts them. And then he starts his own colony huh? under the ground where he welcomes people as long as they are completely mentally, physically, sexually subservient to him. Whoa. Mario in his underground kingdom. So um, I like where we're at. Is there a way that we could combine these two ideas of uh, Mario digging infrastructure with Mario pee-pee-poo-poo um, cleaning up toilets? I mean, even underground societies need pee-pee-poo-poo toilets. Like, yeah, where, how, where do you think they're going to pee-pee-poo-poo? It's a way that he shows his people that he still cares about mm-hmm. them. Grounded. Remember at the Last Supper when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples <laughs> yep. to, to make himself humbled before uh-huh. them? That such as a man that who wishes to enter the kingdom of God, this is what Mario will do for his people. And thank you for the smooth transition, Justin, because the profession that I was going to suggest was youth pastor uh, for <laughs> okay, Mario. Perfect. Uh, He's I, got the mustache for it. I mean, I'm just going to say. I don't know what that means necessarily. Um... I know that you and I had many youth pastors during our tenure with the with the church. He's got a Jim Moosey mustache. His mustache looks like Jim Moosey. There was a fellow named Jim Moosey at our church who did have a mustache. Thank you, Justin. That is narrow casting to literally Fucking one other person uh, who is on this podcast. So, yeah, I'd love to see him sort of, uh, you know, pick up a Bible. Mm-hmm. Just see what he thinks. I would love to hear him say... You know, just I want to hear the word Mario. I want to hear the word Jesus come out of Charles Martinet's sort of just to see like what kind of spin he like. A Jesus, so, a Jesus, a Christ. I'm, a, I'm a washed in his blood. To be clear, I'm made whole again. The, my body will die, my spirit lives on. For, for God so love the world, a Luigi. Amen. So the game that you're describing, just because I want to be clear here, is Mario, his mind, an underground colony of which his disciples live. Their only reward is the ability to go pee-pee-poo-poo. Otherwise, they must listen to They are also paid in Mario bucks. Oh, yeah. I do want to point out, they're paid in Mario bucks. His, you know, company store money. Uh, Script. script. It's Mario's script. Okay. Okay. Um, And also, oh, sorry, the other reward is everlasting life. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good deal, actually. I would do that. I would Pretty get in. Deal. So I actually have to run. I have to hop on a plane back to uh, Seattle. I don't, don't want to say. You shouldn't be doing that. You shouldn't I, be <laughs> just frivolously riding on planes right now, Jake. <laughs> it's my own. It's like a kind of uh, Wonder Woman invisible plane. Uh, mm, okay. It's what we all use in Nintendo. But I'm not going to say yes. That explains why sometimes I would look out the window and just see Reggie in a seated position just sort of flying by me. That makes a lot of sense now. I thought that that was like some sort of crazy Pizza Hut power that he had. But you're suggesting it's the Nintendo's fleet of invisible airplanes. Thank you for clearing that up, Jake. Right. Well, uh, yeah, not going to say yes, but not going to say no. Uh, and we'll get back to you. Thanks, Jake. Thanks, Jake. So appreciated. I'm back. It's um, me, Plant. Thanks, Plant, for coming back. Do we have any uh, messages from the fa- from the from the fans at home? There's one that I want to highlight, and it is from uh, Jeremy on Twitter. He said, 
besties, have you guys thought of doing a segment in social media bit about best games to play on services such as Xbox Game Pass or PlayStation Now? A lot of people are quarantining uh, and they're using these services to burn through games and need guidance. So we talked about PlayStation Now a little bit the other week, so we'll skip that for this time and maybe talk about it another time. But I do want to talk about Xbox Game Pass. I want to see if y'all have anything that you recommend that people might have missed. And Russ said, I can't mention Nier Automata, so I'm definitely not mentioning mm-hmm. Nier on this podcast, but we will talk about other games. I want to call attention to a game called Astroneer, which is a game that came out on PC a while ago and then came to, I think, early access Xbox, and it's on Xbox Game Pass now. It's basically like an astronaut sim. You land on a planet. And what's cool about it is that it's all about like the logistics of like spreading like oxygen tubes throughout the planet so that you can explore deeper and deeper into it. And uh, it's got this like low-fi, low-poly aesthetic that's really neat. Uh, it's very multiplayer friendly, which is really cool. Yeah, I played it a, a ton on PC ages ago, and it keeps it, it's gotten like a bunch of updates since then. So uh, definitely recommend it. I, I feel like it hasn't gotten a lot of shine on it, and and worth checking out. I actually would like to dovetail onto that because in a similar vein, uh, I wanted to talk about Subnautica. Oh yeah, Subnautica. If you have not played it, I feel actually literally jealous of you. It's one of my favorite games of the last ten years. It is a survival game in this vein of like Minecraft or Dust or whatever, where you are basically you have a tiny submarine and you have crash landed on this alien world and you are diving down into the ocean to try to find resources and ways to build up your sort of like underground colony and everything in the world from coral and fish to like different plant life whatever it's all resources that you can mine and create like better and better stuff and the sense of discovery one with like of resources like killing this fish with your knife and realizing like oh my god it's made it i can turn that into rubber and this will help me make uh you know uh flippers that'll help me swim better etc the progression is really great like really really addictive but it's also got this wonderful sense of partially because it's underwater this wonderful sense of like swimming into a place and realizing like oh fuck i should not Mm -hmm. be here i am not ready to do this I am terrified and I'm almost out of oxygen. I have to just keep going deeper to hope I find something. And uh, it is absolutely fantastic. Subnautica is the name. I do want to call attention to one quick thing. Uh, Plant just waved to someone like he was in Mayberry. He's like, that was insane. Cheerio. You're in your office. How could this happen? I noticed that too. And I didn't want to say anything, but Hachi Machi, what a trip. My window faces the front door so I can say hi to people if they walk by. It was so nice. Uh, Griffin? Uh, I have a couple real quick one. Literally, uh, Minute, M-I-N-I-T, uh, yeah. is oh, yeah. on Game Pass. That one is like, pick it up in an afternoon where you have some time. It's fun as hell. I'm pretty sure we've talked about it on the show mm-hmm. before where you have 60 seconds and you get to explore and after 60 seconds you die and you have that time to like finish out loops and collect items and hit checkpoints and do like whatever you can to continue exploring this world. Uh, knowing that you have an extremely limited window of time to do that. The other is, and I didn't realize this was on there, is uh, Bloodstained, Ritual of the Night. Oh, yeah. Uh, a lot of people slept Damn. on that, and I I have been jonesing for a good Metroidvania to play right now. I've dipped into a few. Uh, the new Shantae game that just hit Switch, uh, which isn't really clicking for me, and The Messenger, which I got to like the twist part of that game, and then it 
that wasn't doing it for me anymore. And it just made me wish I could just erase Bloodstained from my memory and play it again because that is just the richest, like mechanically speaking, progression-wise speaking, like the richest Metroidvania game to come out in recent memory. Uh, and the fact that it's, you know, free on Game Pass is fucking exceptional. So if you haven't played that one, go play that one. Uh, I'm going to call it a quick bundle of games that I would say are the things that you may might be interested in, but probably won't spend money on. Um, and that's the joy of a service like this. We've talked about World of Horror on uh, on the oh, podcast. Yeah. That's on here. Uh, Lonely Mountains Downhill is mm. one of my top three games of last year, I think. It's, it's just absolutely fantastic, and it's just a s- simple biking game. And then also... Uh, uh, well, I mean, Outer Wilds is the other indie. But I don't know a nice way of saying this. A lot of Xbox exclusives are better in the Game Pass format because they're good or interesting, but maybe not something that I would want to spend $60 on. Um, right. So that includes Disneyland Adventures, which was a Kinect game, oh, which is, <laughs> so cool. is so cool. I, and it's it's kind of a mess. It's so weird. It's so cool. I, I know a lot of people don't necessarily play racing games so i want to make sure people try forza horizon 4 because even if you don't like racing games it is such a blast uh really if you like any open world games it's worth a try and crackdown 3 i'm not saying it's a perfect game at (laughs) all but for the low low price of free in the time of a weekend well you need to subscribe but yeah yeah, it, it is it is really enjoyable, especially with a friend. Uh, if you want like a taste of that original Crackdown feel, it it certainly accomplishes that, and I recommend mm-hmm. you give it a try. And I think that's that's it on my end. Yeah. Oh man, I have such a good game that I'm playing, but I I'll, you can call it out if you we'll talk about briefly. It next time. I I know no no we'll talk about it next okay. time because I'll I'll still be playing it. Boy, that would be very annoying to hear yeah. as a listener. I cannot imagine. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to the besties. Uh, we hope you've had fun on, and gotten a little little break here. Um, hang in there, like literally everybody on the planet. Yes. Uh, uh, do, do we want to next week write is Clubhouse Games? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah, I wrote chess on the rundown, but I guess we could talk about all of Clubhouse <laughs> we Games. We could probably talk about all 51 of the Clubhouse Games games. Uh, holy shit, I'm excited to talk about that one. It has been uh, a fucking incredible little little thing for me to have in my little Switch. Appreciate it. Appreciate you, Clubhouse Games. Batgammon, <laughs> fuck yeah. Justin, where can people find us? I like Cribbage. Is Cribbage on there? Cribbage is not on there. Yeah, well, maybe next time. Yeah, we're on Spotify, as you have probably know, because you're listening to it. You can follow and listen for free there. If you want to share the show with people, use the URL besties.fan. It's also where you can send mail to us, mail at besties.fan. If you could share the show, tell people, hey, this is worth listening to, um, just shoot them that link and they can they can you know listen to it and that'd be really nice you can also follow us on twitter at the besties pod and if you want to join our newsletter it is the pin post on the top of our twitter account that's going to do it for us so be sure to join us again next time for the besties because should the world's best friends pick the world's best games It's a Spotify original podcast. 
in association with Fox Media. The show is edited by Jelani Carter and produced by Ben Hosley. And our theme song is by Ian Dorsch. Besties!